Welcome to the Good Courage Podcast. This is Jay Gamlin. Today is a little mini podcast from some of the teaching that I shared this past week with a uh, tough text about if you don't love me more than you love your own parents or your own kids, then you don't deserve me. So it's kind of a tough text, but I think when you listen, you're going to find it's not what you think it is. So have a listen here. And as always, get back with your thoughts. So those who know me well enough know that I am crazy about my wife, Tia. Like, I am, like, bonkers in love with her. Like, it's crazy in love with her. And it's been that way from the very beginning. Like, immediately I was head over heels. True story, I asked my wife to marry me two weeks after we started dating. I just, I knew it. I was like, this is it. This is the way it's going to be. And this is going to happen. And she said, yes, yeah, so blame her, right? And uh, so there was this time, there's this point, point when we got married, uh, about four years later when we got married, um, where I was hanging out with my wife and thinking about how much I loved my wife when I was like, ah, Tia, what if I love you more than Jesus? What do I do? Oh, no. I was, no, it was, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but there's like a little truth to it. Like I was thinking about like how crazy I am for G, for, uh, for my wife Tia. And I, do I really feel the same way about Jesus? Like, am I really like, oh, Jesus, you're the best. I, I, I'm not sure I was that. You know what I mean? And it's just continued. You know, every kid I have, I've got four of them. So it's happened a lot. Every kid, I, every time a new child comes, I'm just like head over heels in love with my kid. I'm like, I, I love my kid so much. And then I'm like, what if I love my kid more than Jesus? Now, I, I know that, you know, when we hear a text like today, whoever loves their mother and father more than me, and it's not worthy, and whoever loves their, you know, it, it, it's really easy to turn this into like psychopathic, sociopath Jesus, you know what I mean? Where like Jesus is like, you better love me better than anybody else or I'm going to come get you. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that, that's not Jesus because comparing everything else that we know about Jesus and everywhere else we read, that's not what this text is about is about, it's not about Jesus like being, you better love me better than everybody else. I mean, who wants to be in that relationship? Anybody want to be in that relationship? Would you like to have your, your friend, partner, spouse, parent, you better love me better than everybody else or I'm going to come get you. That wouldn't be love anymore. That would be like fear and destruction, right? Right. That's just kind of creepy. So let's just say that that's not the point that Jesus is trying to get us to. I... What Jesus is, I think, really drawing us to is that when we encounter the word and the way in which Jesus is calling us to live in the world, what do we do if what Jesus is teaching and what we're learning about the way of God and the way of living, what if that goes against what my mom told me, what my dad told me, what my kids believed, my grandparents what if, what if the word that God gives me is actually not in line with what the pundits on TV that I might agree with or, or, or the newspaper op-ed that I read? Or what do I do if God is asking me something that would put me against people I love? That would put me in conflict with them. 
can I do that? It's a hard question. It really is a hard question. And Jesus goes so far to say it's like a sword that divides, it can divide families. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I spoke to a friend this week who talked about the division she has with her sister and how the way that she sees and knows and experiences God is so different from her sister that her sister won't even come to their family gatherings anymore. It's hard. My friend sees God as this open-handed God who gives love away freely, and her sister sees God as one who fears, and a God who come, comes to kill, murder, and destroy if you don't believe like her. And she just can't reconcile those two. What do we do when that picture of God that we have when we begin to explore that, when that puts us against important people in our lives. Let me, let me give you an example. This, um, so a couple weeks ago, I went with 38 uh, kids and adults. We went up um, to Salt Lake City and we went to go serve up there. And we spent a huge portion of our time with people who are experiencing homelessness. We were in um, soup kitchens and shelters. Um, we were feeding lots of of people that have had very difficult times in their lives. We were in one place where we literally pulled out a shelter onto a street and the people in the tents sleeping right there on the street next to us were coming out of their tent to, to drink uh, some coffee and to have some donuts. We were, we were in warehouses helping, um, uh, helping uh, refugees who are fleeing from Syria, fleeing from the Ukraine, and, and helping support them as, as they're forced out of situations that they hadn't chosen and, 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 and now are now forced to live in a whole new way. We, we were in those spaces doing that. At the same time, we're staying at a church in Salt Lake and sleeping on their floors that they were very gracious to let us use, and we're thankful for them when one of my students had a conversation with the pastor of this Lutheran church who said, you know, I don't really like the homeless. They choose to be out there. They choose to take drugs and they're addicted to alcohol. And I think when you help them, you're actually exacerbating the problem. You're making things worse because you're, you're allowing them, you're giving them permission to choose this kind of life. I'm not gonna throw him under the bus. I'm not gonna throw him under the bus because I've wrestled with a lot of those questions myself. And I'm sure each of you has as well. Every time you pull up to one of those intersections and there's somebody there, don't you feel that internal debate? Do I give them something, do I not? Am I helping when I give them something, am I not? Am I, am I hurting a problem, am I creating more issue or am I not? What do I, what do, I do? And I'll just tell you, sometimes I don't know why. Here's five bucks, and I give it. And I just do it. I, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't have a reason. Nothing written on their sign. Just for something in me says, here's five bucks. Other times, I don't have any cash on me. And so I just try to smile and wave and just say, I see you. You're a person. You're a human. And so I just try to acknowledge them as a person. But then sometimes I don't know what to do. And I feel that inside me where I'm like, do I give, do I not, am I helping, am I not? Is this, is this a problem, is this an issue? What, are, what, what kind of issues am I furthering? What, am I, what do I do in that moment? And I get really in pain, honestly. So I don't wanna throw him under the bus. It's, it's, it's complicated, right? 
homelessness as, as a phenomenon, as what we understand in the U.S., it's complicated. And it's a big issue that, we're, that we all have to wrestle with and grapple with. But here's, here's what I could tell you about all of these kids and these adults that went and fed. These students and adults, they weren't there to feed issues. They were there to feed people. See, this, it's really easy for us to, to, to try to boil things down into just being like a, a news point, a, a news bullet, an idea, an issue. But when we instead see that the person who's coming up and standing in line as a person, not an issue, but a person, it changes things. A, a person with a very complicated story, far more complicated than the ways that we just want to boil down to somebody who's out and being drunk. We have people with, with chronic illnesses. We have people who, who didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a safe home or a safe household, who don't have the support of parents and grandparents who can help support and walk them along. People who have to make the choice every day whether they fix their car or they get something to eat or they pay their rent because they're working two and a half jobs, which isn't enough to own a home in this economy. And they're wrestling with these issues every day and they, and they have kids that they're trying to figure out and, and, they, and they have chronic diseases which they're trying to uphold and they're trying to figure out, how do I do this? I met a woman this past week who, who has lived 18 months in her car. Now she can afford $1,600 to find a home, but she has chronic illness and she has a job that she works full time, but she doesn't make enough to own an apartment. So she went homeless so that she could try to save enough in order to get her home. But guess what? Her car broke down. So you want to just boil this down to somebody who's choosing to be homeless? These are people, not issues. And what they're wrestling with is complicated. It's complicated, and it's far too complicated for you or for me to boil them down into a political agenda or an idea, and every one of their stories is complicated. See, Jesus, in Scripture, only talks about um, the afterlife in two circumstances. He only gives a story of the afterlife in two stories. One is he says, there will come a time when a king stands upon the throne and he divides the people between sheep and goats. And he says to the sheep, Blessed are you, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was, when I was uh, in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you helped me. And it says the sheep, the sheep I, what I love is the sheep didn't know it was Jesus. They're like, what? Jesus, I, we, I think if we'd seen you naked, we'd remember. But they're like, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison? When did we see you? And Jesus said, every time you did this, to a human, you did this for me. I don't hear Jesus saying, blessed are you, for you thought really hard about the issues at hand and whether or not I'm choosing to be hungry in that moment and trying to decide in the context of where we're sitting in that moment whether or not you give me something to eat. Jesus said, I was hungry. 
and you gave me something to eat. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. I know that those issues, those things, that when we try to think about the bigger problems, the bigger stuff, that we can get into really serious divide and serious divide among people that we really love, know, and respect, that we can get into those divisions. So I just want to encourage you instead, maybe not to think of things from that 10,000 feet, but to see that person in front of you for what they are, a human who's struggling, who may be having the worst day of their life, but you're there to give them a pretty crappy cup of coffee and probably a stale donut. But that's what they had that day and that's what you could give and so you fed. And when you do that, you're not feeding just another human, you're feeding the Christ who lives and dwells in them as much as the Christ who lives and dwells in you. This is a hard word. But Jesus' word isn't gentle here. Jesus' word is really about saying, look, what I'm teaching you, the way I'm instructing you to live your life might put you at odds against the very people that you want to love and honor. But don't let let them pull away your humanity. And don't, don't let them dehumanize people and turn them into issues because they're people. Don't, don't think about Pride Fest and, and all the gift that is that place as a place of issues. It's a place of beautiful humans learning to express who they are and being permi- given permission to love who they want to love. They're not an issue. They're humans with complicated stories that we need to listen to and honor and understand It's easy to boil people down to a sound nugget. It's harder. It's the hard work to see people as humans worthy of love, as worthy as each and every person who wears a pen that says, I am loved. Heavy word, yes? Heavy word. Sometimes the word comes like a sword. Sometimes it's not gentle. As any good parent would know, you can't always just love and cuddle. Sometimes the word says, there's a better way for us to live. And it starts when we love one another as we have been loved. As we have been loved. I figured out how to love my wife and my kids now. I know how to make that work. You see, if the Christ dwells richly in my wife, when I love my wife like crazy, guess who I'm loving? Jesus. If the Christ dwells in my kids, guess who I'm loving? Jesus. So the more I love my wife, the more I love. And the more I love my kids, the more I love. That's right. May you see the Christ dwelling in the hungry, the thirsty, the queer, the outsider, the Muslim, the oppressed, the refugee, the hurting, 
all of those with complicated stories who simply want to be seen and known and loved. And here's what I want to encourage you. When you see that person this week, maybe take that button off and hand it to them so that they can remember that they are loved just like you. If you'll pray with me. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, on paths as yet untrodden through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out in good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. In the name of love, whose name is Jesus, amen.